Good morning, traders, and welcome to Options Trading for Income for March 28th, 2022, episode 873, and also a special open house for March of 2022. So before we get going, I'd like to remind you the presentation is for educational purposes only. We're not broker dealers or financial advisors, and we're not making any specific trade recommendations. Also, please be aware that your risk in trading options is substantial, and please make sure you are aware of all your risks prior to placing any trades. Also note that in this presentation, we are covering hypothetical computer-simulated trades and results. They're believed to be as accurately represented as possible, keeping in mind that live results can vary from similar results for many different reasons. All right, so first of all, welcome to our new members and special guests. For our new Go and Pro members, please be sure to watch your welcome video and review materials. There's a lot of important, relevant information in there as to your progress. I'd also encourage you to review your stage videos, choose the stage that you'd like to start in our Trader Success Blueprint, and read and follow along with your stage guidelines. Also, special note here to review the Fit Trading Library and videos for your stage. There is lots of relevant information in there for very beginner traders all the way up to expert or very experienced traders. So I encourage you to view that material and also encourage you to ask questions and request coaching. It's very important that you take ownership of your progress. You don't want to sit back and just and just consume material. Sitting back and just consuming material is not going to make you be a great trader. You actually have to get in there and do some work on your own, ask questions when you need help. And in doing so, you can take advantage of our coaching opportunities. Again, asking questions on any of our sessions, requesting free public one-on-one coaching or discounted one-on-one private coaching. And of course, uh, there's self-coaching that is available to you through accessing the over a thousand archived videos included with the membership. So the information is here, the help is here, and, and I encourage you to take advantage of it. As far as what we cover in this particular meeting, this is options trading for income. We have 12 different trading strategies that are rules-based depending on the structure and flexibility within the rule basis, dependent on the stage level. And these are the 12 strategies that we cover in options trading for income. We focus on four strategies in any given cycle. So for example, in March, we started a bearish butterfly, a Super Bowl, a V17 and a V22. And we will focus on those strategies every week until their completion. I'm always running 12 strategies in the background, so you can ask questions on any of those strategies. Basically, that's how that works. Also, a note here while we're talking about membership that our membership for April is open, and it's going to be closing, I believe, in a couple of days. So you want to make sure that uh, if you're interested in our, in our membership, please do that as soon as possible so that we can get you in here for April. Our market outlooks, let's just quickly go over what's coming up in the near future for our members here. So for Market Outlook and Pro members, uh, Sunday, 9 p.m. Eastern is our next Market Outlook. Our next trading with the Pro session is going to be Tuesday, April 5th at 1 p.m. Eastern. Our next Go Ask a Trader is going to be April 13th at 11.30 a.m. AM Eastern. And our next trade performance meeting is going to be April 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Worthy of note, our How to Understand and Best Utilize Calendar Spreads program uh, is on sale right now. It ends tomorrow night Eastern. So those of you who are interested in that need to get going and get that done. And also uh, our next free live webinar is coming up. It's coming up in April is going to be the Trader Transformation Principles about learning the principles that help traders fully understand the true art of income trading. So this is going to be a great webinar if you're trying to improve your trading and you're a somewhat experienced, at least a somewhat experienced trader. It's not really for newbies. Uh, this is a more advanced trading performance type of a course. So to get there, you just go to our website, lockinyoursuccess.com. And I believe look under trading performance courses and you can sign up for that now. And we'll eventually get a pop-up box up there so that you can uh, get in there that way as well, if just going to the website. So I encourage you to sign up for that. And uh, uh, let's go as far as what we have going on for trades that we're focusing on, focus trades. I'm going to add in a few extra trades this uh, this meeting as well. So our open carryover positions for February are in April M3, which is a stage four strategy, and April UB1, which is a stage two strategy. Uh, we closed the carryovers we closed was a March M3.4U, which was closed profitable. We had an April bear trade, which was closed profitable. Uh, as far as our focus positions for March that are opened, we have a May 
a bull trade, a May Super Bowl, a May V17, a May V22, and a May Bearish Butterfly. These are the entry dates that they were entered. And we'll be taking a look at those today. And like I said, I'm going to add in a few other ones. And let's move on. If anybody, so as far as uh, other maintenance items before we get going here, anybody has any questions, you can put them into the chat. Also, I have some questions that were put into our forum for today. So I'm going to be answering those as well. Uh, I'll, I'll answer those questions at the end here. I already have a request to go over our April M3.4U, and I'm going to do that in two contexts, really, because I have the standard guidelines M3.4U we'll be showing you, and also a live sample trade that we do with a membership that is modified somewhat from the guidelines. We'll talk about that, so that should be, uh, that should be fun. All right, so let's get moving here, and I'm going to start with our bull trade for May. One of the things that we're going to be doing in the FIT program is we're going to be changing the guidelines a little bit for the bull trade. And for those of you who were here last week, um, you understand the reasoning for that. So the reasoning is the uh, the market makers are not getting, giving us the strikes that we want for our standard bull position. They've always given us the strikes in the past. We've had the strikes available since 2002. This hasn't been a problem, but for some reason in the last several months, we have a problem with strikes. So um, we can easily modify this. The strategy is going to have essentially the same type of win rate, the same type of returns. Actually, the, re the actual functional return when the trade wins is going to be higher. Your exit loss trigger is also going to be higher relative to your maximum loss, which isn't a bad thing, by the way. You just want to make sure you limit your size. So when we trade, we always want to limit our size to how much we're willing to lose. Not, not how much we want to win or how much money we have. You always trade to the size you're willing to lose. And I'm gonna, when I make the update in the, uh, in the FIT program with the bull strategy, we'll talk about that and give you the guidelines for that. But um, for now, anybody who um, wants to know how, why this was entered this way, just go to last week's, and that would be um, March 21st, 2022, Office trade for income. I explained why we entered the way we did. Uh, either way, uh, as of Friday, the position is sitting here and we're up $980. Our planned capital number is going to be a lot lower with this new setup. Okay. But we're up, um, we're up $980 and we're doing fine. We don't, uh, by the way, this standard bull trade has a capital of 27.5. If with a 10 lot or $2,750 with a one lot, this new one is going to be $7,500 for a 10 lot or $750 for a one lot. And we're going to be going for, or we could possibly make of that about a third of that, which is about 33%. Um, we can call it 30%. And we're also going to have end up having a 30% exit loss trigger on this when we, when we get this flushed out and I get the, and I, put the new guidelines out in, uh, in the FIT membership. Uh -huh. Right, so anyway, this is doing well and this is where we stand. We have a April bearish butterfly. So let me just throw this over here. This, right, we have an April bearish butterfly that I just want to go over uh, the last part of it. So if I go here and I come to, I'm just going to take a look at two weeks here. Uh, so this is what we look like on the 14th on our bearish butterfly for April. Uh, everything's looking good here. And let me just move forward. This is March 17th. So uh, this was Thursday. So this trade here is fully scaled in. If we look at our T-log here, I make notes in the T-log. Um, we've done our rolls all the way up to 2080 uh, as of the 18th. So uh, let's uh, go to the next day. Let me uncheck trades. We came in here. Uh, we were fully scaled in. The market pulled back and now it's pulling forward again, okay? Um, we have a roll point 
or we had one at 2050. I'm sorry, we have a new, new roll point at 2070 and 2080 and 2090 if the market gets that high. Um, and we go into Friday here, the asset price goes over 2070, it goes over 2080. And this is how the position looked at this point. Uh, we're, we're due for 20 for those two rolls. So we're going to take off the 2010, we're going to take off 2030, we're going to roll them to 2070 and 2090 as per guidelines. And that puts us here for our new position with our new roll points. If we go higher, we're going to be at 2090, 3000, and so on. So about basically every 10 points. So here, We got our pullback Monday, bit of bounce on Tuesday, pretty good size pullback here on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, let me ignore trades. We hit 21 days to expiration um, here. So actually I should have exited this year, right? Because remember they renumbered the, they renumbered the uh, expiration days here in ONE. So I actually should go another day with this. Um, let me do that because uh, that was done incorrectly. So let me pull this off. Right, so normally uh, the 21 days expiration, we reduce our profit target to $5,000. That would trigger an exit here. Um, that's not going to trigger an exit on this particular case because, as we were saying, uh, 21 days expiration was formerly the Friday, uh, was on a Friday. They've renumbered these. So now we're using, instead of doing um, 21 days, we're going to end up at 20 days because we want to go to the Friday. So, uh, and this is Friday here. So if we go to Friday, um, again, we're going to reduce our profit target down to. Uh, it's $5,000. We take a look, we're up 89.40. So we want to close this position here. And according to our software here, uh, 88.20 is what we're looking at. So let me commit to this trade. And that is another good trade for the Bearish Butterfly, by the way. Uh, oh, it was Good Friday a holiday? Oh, 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 oh. He thinks the numbering is different in April because Good Friday is a holiday that, well, no, that doesn't matter because they go by calendar day anyway. They go by calendar day. So um, it doesn't really make a difference there. Um, so we're gonna close that out. And of course, then we have our May bearish butterfly, which is uh, started here, 56 days to expiration. And our entry, since we're here, we'll just talk about it. Uh, our entry on May Bearish Butterfly is going to be with our short strikes because we're almost at 2,070. It's going to be at 2,050. We're going to put our short strikes here at 2,050, 50-point wings. Uh, our reference point is going to be 2,050. And we, of course, will make the standard adjustments by the guidelines as the trade goes on. Um, Let me close this out. Oh, actually, I have a question here. So Jed's saying, I thought the old guidelines for bearish butterfly have been four rolls with 10-point increments and then back to 20 points uh, and move after that. Has this changed? That was never the actual guidelines. Basically, uh, what's going to happen is we're going to scale in. Um, we, so uh, bearish butterfly, and for those of you who know the bearish butterfly guidelines, um, you'll get this. For those of you who don't, I apologize, but it's a question and we want to, want to take care of it. So um, the guidelines by the bearish butterfly are that we scale in uh, a reference point plus 40 and then a reference point plus 60. And then we roll every 10 points. Um, 
but we have a uh, a stop or a fail safe in the guidelines that prevent us from rolling too far ahead of the marketplace. So what's going to happen is at some point, let me let me go back to this trade here. At some point, we're going to have a roll point and let me go back to one more day. At some point, you're going to have a, no, no, that's fine. Um, at some point, you're going to have a roll point, like say, like just pretend we're in a different situation here and we actually had a normal roll trigger at 2050. If we have a normal roll trigger at 2050, um, we can't make that roll. Or if I made that roll, I would then be in my short strikes at 2070, 2090, and then 3010. Um, there's a fail safe in the rule set that does not allow you to roll ahead of the marketplace. And basically what that is, is if, and if the asset price isn't over, in this case, it would be um, if the asset price isn't over our upper long, upper short strike. So uh, here it's 2090. So if the asset price isn't at 2095 and I hit a roll trigger, I can't make that roll because this strategy is not allow you to get that far ahead of the marketplace. So basically the rolls are every 10 points, but there's a stop where you're going to, where you're going to be prevented from doing a roll until the asset price gets to a certain height. Okay. So that's basically how that works without getting um, too bogged down into this. All right. So that is the, uh, the bear trade. I'm going to go, uh, sorry, the bearish butterfly. So let's go back to Monday here. We'll take a look at what, our M3 uh, M3 is doing. That is a focus position. So let me go to M3. Or M3, for those of you who are unaware, is a um, strategy that has $50,000 planned capital, $5,000 profit target, $5,000 max loss. The position in the, this size, okay? Um, the position here as of Monday is up $2,759. Uh, we have a Delta trigger here of minus 15 for an upside adjustment. Uh, we have various parameters for downside adjustment, um, but we're not gonna get into that right. We're not gonna uh, hit any of those. So if we go here uh, on Monday, this is what the position looked like. Tuesday, what happened is we got a bit of an up move here. We got a bit of a delta implied volatility shift in the marketplace, throws us up to 24.83 delta. That's over our maximum. And I'm going to need to make a delta correction. Now, this is what we call an oversized M3. Um, this is what we call an oversized M3. So when we're in an oversized M3, we have a certain procedure in which we adjust the upside delta. And in this case here, what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, first look at where my delta is on my long call. If it's generally under 70, my first um, go-to adjustment is gonna be to bring that deeper in the money. So that's what we're gonna do here. We're going to bring this deeper in the money to correct our delta. Now, when I do this, I also have certain downside uh, limitations on how much risk I can take to the downside regarding a, an 8% move in the asset price. So uh, I want to make sure that I'm okay and within that. And in this case, I am. So that is going to be what we're going to do with this strategy. I move forward here. We get a pullback here Wednesday. We get a bounce up here on Thursday and then Friday. Uh, I exceed my delta limits again. Now, as time goes by and we get closer to expiration, what happens is this the risk on the downside of this gets more and more uh, prevalent for us. And also, again, implied volatility shifts and our gamma changes and so forth. So uh, here, one of the things that 
the first thing I want to do is I want to see if I can go deeper in the money with this. Now, if I go all the way to bring this, say, to um, neutral delta here, I start to take on too much downside risk with that 8% move. It's too excessive for me. So what I want to do is I want to, I want to, um, that puts in too much room. My next adjustment or my next procedure to get my risk down is going to be re to reduce my butterfly size. Again, because we're oversized in the butterflies. Uh, and if I take this down by five, that is going to bring my delta within range. But I probably don't want to go to minus 17 delta to positive six. So I also want to take my call here and bring this down a little bit, actually down a little bit into, into my delta number. And I think I probably bought it. I probably brought it to around 2040. Let's see where that went. I'll let the trade happen here. So we reduce that by five contracts and we remove and we move this call from um, 1990 up here to 2010. And that gives us a pretty relatively neutral delta here. Again, there's flexibility. It's a stage four strategy. So you have a flexibility into how intensely you tend to adjust this. Uh, in this case here, I just went to neutral, and that was where we stand as of Friday. We're about almost $3,500, and we're looking really nice. So that is our uh, M3. And a question here. Um, the guidelines-free strategies is within each individual course materials. Uh, yes, uh, the strategies that have courses. So we have some strategies that are included in the FIT program, the Bull, the Super Bowl, the Bear, the um, Quick and Dirty Broken Wing Butterfly, which we actually don't cover on Options Training for Income, but those are strategies included in the FIT program that's included with the GO membership. Um, our M3 Bearish Butterfly and Rock strategies, there's no longer a course available for that. So those are only available through one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, or you can pick them up as we go along here in the, in the meetings. I mean, we've done this, we've done the M3 Bearish Butterfly and Rock here for over 10 years. So um, that'd be close to 10 years anyway, uh, that you that you can look uh, in the back sessions and you can kind of pick things up. Uh, or you can get one-on-one -on -one coaching for that. Those are the stage four strategies. We have a program for the uh, UB1 trade and we have a program available for our uh, X4 trades that we're gonna be looking at, okay? So let's, um, let's move forward here. So that is that. So let me jump to M3.4U. And this M3.4U is demonstrated at a smaller size than, um, than our other trades. This is a actually technically, we call it a $5,000 planned capital, but technically it's actually $4,000, um, which we'll make those corrections at some point, but it's not really relevant to the strategy. So um, this is a broken wing butterfly type strategy, started 56 days to expiration. Again, $4,000 planned capital, $500 exit loss trigger on this size. Um, and uh, this was our position. Uh, this doesn't have a profit target, by the way. We just run it into expiration and we see what we get. But um, this was down $116 as of uh, Monday here. There were no adjustments. We have a, our, our upside, our adjustment to the downside happens if we're over positive four delta in a position this size. Um, we're okay here on Monday. We jump into Tuesday. Uh, we have an up move, no adjustments there. Let's say we pull back again, no adjustments triggered here. Thursday, five um, volatility is finally starting to loosen up here on us. And then Friday, uh, this is what our position looks like. So we are at about positive one delta. We're up about $214 and 
this is what we are. So, uh, you know, basically what we have here is if the market goes down to the point where we're positive for Delta, we'll make our downside adjustment. Uh, if we go negative Delta over the long strike, it's time to make our upside adjustment uh, as per the guidelines. Okay. When we do make our upside adjustment here, by the way, if it's triggered, we're also going to have to take capital out of the trade because we only have, uh, we're only allowing $4,000 capital in it. So we would end up having to roll up these to at least uh, 1940 as per guidelines to control that capital and then make our upside adjustment up here, whatever we need to do in order to get our within our, our Delta guidelines. Okay. So that is this M3.4U. So hopefully that um, explained everything for you. Um, while we're here, why don't I talk about our live sample trade, which is also a $4,000 plant capital M3.4U. So I'm just going to go back to Monday here. So the live sample trade is just a uh, M3.4U I do that's a little bit uh, subjective and I, and I try to put some uh, learning lessons into the uh, into this and I'm going to try trade it differently and for different dates in the guidelines sometimes and sometimes I push the, uh, the guidelines. Uh, yeah, and the guidelines, so Daniel's asking, is the 4,000 max capital new in the guidelines? It's 5,000. Yeah, so when we originally came up with the program, I was allowing $5,000 capital in the position. Um, and that is the planned capital number. And just to keep your exit loss triggers at um, 10%, right, where we're keeping our planned capital technically at $5,000. However, the guidelines within the strategy that um, that we um, have updated by, I'm not sure this got, I'm not sure this got pushed back into the program yet or not, because what we'll do in options trade for income, we will, um, if we have any changes we're going to be making, we're going to make them in here first usually, and um, and then they'll filter back into the program at some point. But um, but yeah, what we're doing, Daniel, now is we're keeping this uh, under four thousand dollars basically for capital in the in the trade. Okay, the reason we're doing that is because with the new implied volatility environment post COVID and the size at which the market's moving we want to keep our downside risk profile on this when we get near expiration. We wanna keep our downside risk profile uh, reasonable on the strategy. So the way, one of the ways we can do that is we can limit the capital a little bit more, right? If I wanted to be even more conservative, I could limit it at 3000. Uh, at some point it starts affecting the uh, profits in the strategy, but the five to four really isn't gonna make um, uh, make a whole lot of difference. Okay. So technically the planned capital is, um, is 5,000, but we're, we're really not letting this go over four, um, in current day. Now, most of the time, that's not going to make a whole lot of difference. Whether you, uh, it, uh, 99% of the time, it's not really going to make a whole lot of difference on the strategy and whether it wins or loses a particular cycle. Um, makes it a little bit less efficient. So less likely to gain money when things go well, but is a little bit a little bit more protective, making it less likely to hit an exit loss trigger when things are when the market's really choppy. Okay, so those anything you do has benefits and drawbacks. Okay, and those are basically the benefits, drawbacks, and maybe bringing our capital down a little bit. Okay, so. With our live sample trade, you'll notice that we're we're positioned differently than what the guidelines is going to tell us. We also started a different date, and um, you also notice that we have a split strike strike at the bottom. Uh, I'm doing that split strike at the bottom to control the amount of adjustment that I have. So, um, so for example, the M3.4U has a forced Delta or forced increment of delta shift when uh, when you make an adjustment. Uh, we do this so that you can trade a two lot the same way you can try to trade a ten lot. What do I mean by that? If I have a ten lot, if I, in other words, if I have ten broken wing butterflies on, and I want to make a delta adjustment, I can 
do, and my adjustment is to do this, right? And this is the adjustment in the guidelines to do a vertical up here. If I have a 10 lot, I can do one contract and um, that's gonna make a certain delta shift as a percentage from the, um, from the size that you have, right? A, a one, doing a one vertical on a 10 lot is very different than doing one vertical on a two lot, of course, right? Um, if I do one vertical on a 10 lot, I can't do one vertical on a two lot. I can, I can do other things. I can do a vertical in IWM or in the mini uh, index options here on the Russell, I could do that. But if I wanna keep the same asset, um, I can't emulate that. So I wanted this strategy when we did it to be traded as a two lot, the same as it's traded a 10 lot or as a 20 lot or a hundred lot or whatever. So to do that, we had forced adjustment increments. Um, there's also other benefits and drawbacks to forced adjustment increments, by the way. But um, we had forced adjustment increments where I could only do half of these, half of these. If I go back though, and I'm in a smaller position, and I want to make a more incremental change in my delta. So if I was negative delta here and I wanted to make this, and you know, I really didn't, for some reason, if I'm being a little bit subjective, um, I don't really want to go from zero delta to positive two. If I don't want to do that, I can moderate that a little bit by moving uh, this also. And now I'm only going from uh, 0.4 to one delta, okay? The other thing I can do too is if I wanted to moderate this differently, I could also do this, right? Because I'm still within guidelines and that's also gonna be a different adjustment increment that's gonna be in between uh, doing this, you know, moving half of these. Now, if I was in a 10 lot and I could do it with just, you know, I wanted to move free contracts, that's fine. But again, I can't emulate that in a position this size. If I want to emulate that same delta number, I'd have to move one back here and then play around with this back here and possibly do some other things to emulate that. But it gives you more incremental adjustability. That isn't not within the guidelines, but in live trading, from a practical standpoint, there may be times, especially if you, once you get to stage four, stage five, you become subjective that you don't want to make that large of an incremental adjustment. And that's when that comes in. Anyway, this is what this position looked like. Um, this has gone negative delta. I made, I did that adjustment, right? I, I rolled down one of these, I rolled up one of these. I did both sides to create, to keep the position relatively neutral delta. Because had I done only um, this, those of you who do market out look, no, I'm a little bit bearish in the short-term price movement, um, this may have been more than I wanted to do. So if I wanted to get into guidelines and, but I didn't want to get go that far, again, I can make this other adjustment that I made and that's going to give me something a little bit in between. Um, if we go to Wednesday and then Thursday, um, another thing that you, you want to think about when you're trading in general is um, if you take a look at this position, the guidelines call for an adjustment, but if I'm bearish on this position, okay, uh, and I don't want to make that adjustment, what are the consequences to me not making it? In this particular case here, if I make the adjustment and the market stays still or it only comes down a little bit or goes up, then I'm going to be better off, right? But if it comes down, it's going to be, a, it's going to be more of a problem. If I don't make the adjustment, if it comes down, it's going to be less of a problem, it comes down hard, but it's also not really a problem if it goes up either, right? So, you know, there's times when, you know, you have your guidelines but you have to look at the guidelines and, and look at the decision and say, well, um, you know, what gives me the best of most scenarios if I'm biasing this a little bit to the downside? Uh, I can do this without really hurting the position really at all. Um, I make a little bit less money. So what? You know, if, if I'm wrong and things go up, I make a little bit less money. So what? That would be very different, though, had I been down here 
uh, and I'm violating a positive delta guideline where I have a whole bunch of risk to the downside, at that point, right, I have a lot of risk in not making my adjustment. I'm going outside probably uh, what, are, what are, I'm going outside the intended risk parameters for the trade, and I don't want to do that, okay, as far as financial risk a lot of times, and you don't want to do that. But here it's okay to push the guidelines a little bit. So I end up doing nothing there. Um, Friday, we got a pullback. And I mean, uh, hold on a second. I made an adjustment to this on the 24th. Yeah, that was the last one. So Friday, we're here. And again, I'm over my, my, I'm over my delta limit, but uh, in the same context, I'm not really worried about it. If this gets a lot negative delta, you know, we'll kick this up a little bit and we'll do the same thing, right? We'll, um, um, you know, make this, if this gets excessive, we'll make this move. If this is excessive, we'll make this move. Assuming I'm still a little bit bearish on the marketplace. See how minor of a delta shift that is? Again, if I was in a 10 lot, I could just make, rather than doing five, I could do three or, or two or something like that. But here, it gives me a little bit of more flexibility in my smaller positions. So that is um, you know, one of the lessons you can take away for, from the live sample trade. All right, let me move to April rock position here. Actually, that's not focused. Well, I'll, we'll take a look at it anyway. Go to, so I'm gonna go to Monday. Oh, thank you, Daniel. Have a nice day as well. Uh, okay, so this is what we look like on uh, rock position. So this was started 30 days to expiration. There were actually, was an adjustment on the 17th. And this is where we, we are as of this point. We're down $168. If we go to Tuesday, we're, we're within guidelines here on Tuesday. Wednesday, we get a down move. But we also get an implied volatility shift. We end up being up. Uh, we end up being over our maximum negative delta. So it's a fifty thousand dollar planned capital trade with a twenty thousand uh, dollar with a ten thousand dollar exit loss trigger. So there's more risk in this than standard M three. Um, but I still have a minus fifteen delta limit. My calls at twenty one fifty. I'm going to roll that deeper in the money to twenty ninety. That's going to make the correction there. And if we go Thursday, there were no changes there. And then Friday, we're sitting here at minus three delta, up $205 and relatively break even for this type of strategy. And uh, it's looking fine. Uh, no problems there. All right, April V32. I'm just going to take a look at this because we have the open house. So we'll just show where all the positions are here. Um, this had, this was entered on the 16th. This had no adjustments. This is up 2000, uh, what in 10 days about, this is up almost $3,000. So this is looking good here. Um, our April UB1 trade, I wanna take a look at that. Let me ignore adjustments, go to one, This was a focus trade for last cycle. This is what we look like on our April UB1 uh, as of Friday. Now, this trade here is exited when, actually, I didn't hit the exit on here, I don't think. Um, this trade is exited when the next cycle is 56 days to expiration. So we're going to um, just exit this as of today. And that's going to be at a profit of 16.10. And that is the end of that position. We have a Super Bowl for May. Uh, this is actually our 
April Super Bowl, which is kind of getting beat up right now, uh, or as of Friday, but our May Super Bowl is looking just fine. So this is uh, our May Super Bowl. We're up $358. And this is a planned capital trade of $1,000, although we sometimes we get a little bit more money than that. But we use the, the planned capital number to judge percentages, right? That's how we even out the uh, plan. We use, we'll put it this way, for people who are new, we use planned capital not as a, not necessarily as, hey, this is how much money is going to be in the trade, but we kind of use it for a guideline so that we can go over a period of time and have an equal percentage of, um, uh, or a realistic comparison between trading strategies and um, the same, and within the same trade from month to month. Because sometimes you're going to come in here and you're going to have $10,000 in the trade. You know, say you have a, say you have a trade with $50,000 plant capital. Some months you'll come in here, you'll only get $10,000 in the trade. Some months you'll have 30,000. Some months you'll have 50. Some months you'll have maybe 60,000 if certain things happen. So you may end up having a little bit more than that in the trade. But if I have the trade and it's always $50,000 plant capital, regardless of how much capital I have in it, um, I can use then a profit target of 10% of my plant capital and have a consistent profit target from a dollar standpoint. So whether I have $10,000 in the trade or $50,000 in the trade, if my plant capital is 50,000 and I make 5,000, I made 10%, right? So that keeps our percentage numbers in line with our dollar numbers, which just gives us a consistent number, which is why we, we tend to do that. Now, plant capital tends to be about how much you typically have in a trade, but, some, but it can vary, um, you know, uh, it tends to be about the maximum number you generally get in a trade, but it can vary on either side of that. So this trade is going well. And I'm just going to quickly show you uh, the other trades that we have. Um, uh, May bearish butterfly entry. I showed you that already. That's a focus trade. Let's look at my notes here. Um, this is our V17. There have been no adjustments in this in the last week. It is now 56 days to expiration up $2,020 and doing fine. And then we have our... A22 here, which we have our May 22 here, which looks like this. And let me see, were there any adjustments in the last week in this? Yes. So let me go back. Um, oh, actually, it was just today. So this week, prior to today, we look like this. Prior to adjustment, this was the only adjustment for the week. We are more than 10 points over our long strike. Uh, um, oh, actually, we're not more than 10 points over our long strike. So this actually does not call for an adjustment. So uh, I should not have triggered that. Let me, uh, let me pull that out. I do make errors sometimes. I do my best to correct them. Sometimes we just let them run, but um, I don't want to. I want to want to go out this. So this is not ten point two. If we get an up move today, this is going to call for an adjustment to the upside. Uh, otherwise, we're going to sit in here. If it comes down, then then we're good. Um, but we're down three hundred and nine dollars on V twenty two, and that is all the trades we have. So let's take a look at the questions that I have here in the forum. So uh, one of the questions is, I only trade uh, SPX, RUT, and NDX, and usually the place, place the butterfly orders or spreads in as a limit order at the mid price and then increase it every two minutes by a small amount if not filled. Um, not the most desirable way to do that, but there's um, just a, a quick comment on that. You know, that gets you into market maker, maker algorithms. And, you know, what does everybody do? Well, they see a price on the screen. They stick the order in that price. It feels great. If it doesn't fill, they, you know, they increase it by, I don't know, five cents or 10 cents. They, the market maker just knows whatever the, what the average person um, does, right? They know they're going to wait a couple minutes or, or wait a certain period of time. 
right? These are all in the art the uh, artificial intelligence algorithms. They know you're going to do that, and and they're going to they're going to keep running that price away from you uh, as much as they can until the price is in their is clearly in their favor, um, and then they'll fill it, right? So, not the um, not the best thing to do, although it works, right? So, you know, we have to, you know, you'll get filled that way eventually, but just pointing out that once you get more, um, you know, better at execution as a trader, that's generally not the way you're going to do it. It is the way I do it by the, by the way, with a live sample trade, because I'm with that trade, I'm trying to uh, represent the average traders uh, execution there. But um, again, just pointing that, that out. Um, I double checked the, the mid between my Fidelity and ONE, which are almost similar to each other and move in unison with each other. Um, are there times during the day when limit orders are likely to get filled better than mid prices or is it always fairly close to mid price? So uh, let's talk about mid prices for a minute. Um, mid prices are all over the place. So in other words, I could get no move, I could get virtually very little movement in the asset price. Um, and one second, you know, if I throw out a random number, I have a mid price of $10 and the next second I might have the random price of 1050 or $11, or I might have a mid price of 950 with no, um, real reason of that. And the reality is that, um, when you're looking at a mid price, it doesn't necessarily represent what the uh, market's going to fill it at. So while our mid prices are all over the place like that, the actual execution price that the market isn't moving around a whole lot tends to be fairly stable. But you can't base you can't base what the trade's going to fill at fill at based on what you see as a mid price, right? So you know, I mean, just watch it yourself, right? Don't take my word for it. Go to the SPX, especially when the day's moving around a little bit. Take a look at the mid price and watch how much it fluctuates. It fluctuates by dollars. Now, same thing in the Russell and the same thing in the NDX. They fluctuate by dollars, not by cents. And somebody and uh, and they do that second by second. Um, the the actual fill price is not doing that, by the way. The fill price is relatively stable. I mean, unless the market's really moving or you get a switch in uh, market, what we call market pressure or something changes in the marketplace in general, the actual execution price they'll give you is relatively sim uh, similar. Mid is all over the place. So, you know, um, you might look at mid price uh, and it might be $10. I might look at it two seconds later, it might be $11. You might put in an order for $10. I might put in and not get filled. I might put an order in for eleven dollars, and I might get filled. I might not get filled. I don't know, um, but but I might get filled at ten fifty. You know, who knows, right? Um, but my point is, you're working off ten ten dollars, thinking you're getting terrible execution, and you're not filling at mid price. And I'm putting in an order at eleven dollars, and if I get filled at ten fifty, then I'm thinking that you know I get filled at better than mid price. When the reality is. Mid price itself was is random, right? Doesn't make any sense. And I'm asking, you know, what's part of the reason for that? Well, part of the reason for that, especially if you're dealing with like a butterfly, especially if you have in the money options that you're dealing with, is one of the things that the exchanges are doing, especially now, is you're getting slower and slower at updating options at the same time. Like there was a time in the past when uh, the options prices were updated very quickly. Um, and pretty much at the same time, and that really doesn't happen anymore. So, you know, if I'm in a trade that has an in the money option and the asset price moves $3, or it, let's just say the asset price, the SPX moves a dollar, right? Which is could easily be done, right? In a second, we know the SPX moves up, up and down a dollar in, in, in seconds, sometimes less than seconds. What's going to happen is what happens is um, some of those options might get updated. Some of those don't. The ones that are in the money and further in the money tend to get updated slower than the ones that are out of the money or near at the money. So when price updates on some of the options and not the other ones, you get a big variation in your mid price because the 
you know, well, what is the mid price? The mid price is the mid price uh, of all the options involved in the positions, right? So if I have butterfly, I have diff dealing with, uh, or I'm dealing with at least three different strike levels and they're being updated at different times. Um, meaning that, you know, just think about it. If you have a call and the market asset price moves, it, the, the price changes, right? Uh, if, it, it, if one of those option strikes changes and the other one doesn't, it's going to give you a good big size fluctuation in the mid price. That is not necessarily relevant to where the market's actually going to fill. Um, if you have an in the money option, think about how, uh, you know, if, you, if, you, if I get a dollar movement in an in, in the money option, um, that's a dollar shift in intrinsic value. That's solid intrinsic value shift. That has nothing to do with volatility or what the market wants to give you. You have a real value shift in that option of a dollar. If that's not, if that's not shown or updated yet, where the other ones have been updated, it's going to give you a huge fluctuation in your mid price, right? That's where these these things are coming from. So, and that mid price that you look at is not necessarily going to be relevant to where it's going to fill, because it's just way off of where it should be. Um, and this presents a challenge in that. Okay, so so you can see those types of things playing out, and how putting something in at mid price and expecting it to just fill is just it's almost ludicrous at some point. I mean. Uh, you can put it in mid price, like I said, and randomly you'll get filled at better mid price, and randomly it won't fill. And sometimes it'll happen to be right on, and they'll fill it at that price. You just don't know, and it's very random. So um, the answer to that is, uh, first of all, um, is there a times during the day when you're likely to get a better fill at mid prices? No, the time of day really has very little if nothing to do with it. Um, or, or is it always fairly close to mid price? And the answer to that is no, it's not, it's not um, always fairly close to mid price either, uh, depending on what you call mid price. We could be both be trying to execute the same order and we can call something, we will both call some, the mid price something completely different, first of all, right? Um, so, so there's really, you can't be looking at it that way. It's better to understand or watch the mid price for a little bit. You can watch the mid price, okay? Especially if the market's fluctuating back and forth, you can watch the mid price. You can see how far it's varying. Um, you can do the stuff that we show in APM squared. You can look at the synthetics, right? So a put butterfly and call butterfly are gonna go, if they're symmetrical. If they're not symmetrical, there's calculations you can do to this. But if you have a symmetrical put butterfly and call butterfly, they're gonna, call, they're gonna um, they're synthetically, they should be the same mid price. They're the same trade synthetically, they should have the same mid price. If you have an iron butterfly, then you can calculate what the, what the same mid price, relative mid price would be on an iron butterfly versus a, a, a put or a call butterfly. So you have a put or a call butterfly with 50 point wings, it has a total value of $5,000. So um, if you have a, if you're paying, $2 for a butterfly, then you should get $3 credit for an iron butterfly because that is um, that is going to give you the synthetically same type of price, right? So you can do that and you can see how the differences are there. You kind of get an idea. Uh, and then David said, so thank you, David, for, for mentioning this. There's a mid price and there's a fair value for the butterfly spread, which are completely do different things. Um, anybody any idiot can, we can say, can look at a mid price, right? Um, but it takes a little bit of experience to understand when that mid price is fair, is close to a fair value and when it's not. And uh, we, you know, we, and, after, and with practice and time, if you, if you can detach yourself from focusing on mid price, you get an idea of what fair value is for butterflies and you, you can trade that way and you can execute much, much better that way and do better over time. So that's what I would be, what I would say. Um, you get better pricing if entered as two credit spreads versus a single order as a butterfly. Uh, the answer is that depends, right? So first of all, people think they do a lot of times better with the two credit spreads, but they don't really understand the difference in pricing. In other words, they don't actually go out and calculate, right? They're, they're determining stuff off mid price. 
they say, oh, well, you know, I couldn't get filled at mid price on my butterflies, but I put a, I put a vertical in and I got filled at mid price uh, on the upper and on the lower and I got filled at mid price. Therefore, I did better with the verticals. And that's, I can tell you that's not necessarily true because if you go down and you calculate what the butterfly would have cost, if you had, what it would have cost if you had you filled it as a butterfly spread, a lot of times you find out you didn't do better. Okay, so you don't want to just make that assumption. If you're, in other words, we can't compare the stuff off of mid price. Um, whether you actually get a better fill as a butterfly or credit spreads is going to be highly dependent on luck. Because what's going to happen when you put in two credit spreads, unless you put them in at an order where they're definitely going to fill, right? You put them in at, at something, you know, uh, you know, near bid or ask. Uh, where they're definitely going to fill. Let's put the order in like that. Uh, you're not going to fill your two credit spreads at the same time. Okay, you, you, if you put the two, when you do two credit spreads that equal a butterfly, you're doing a bearish credit spread, a bullish credit spread. They're going to fill the one. If the market's going down, they're going to fill the bullish credit spread. If the market's going up, they're going to fill the bearish credit spread. And then you have to fight for the other one if the market keeps going, in which case, chances are you're going to get much worse execution than if you were in a butterfly. If you happen to get lucky or you're, or you're trading the market direction and you're good at it, then you fill one and then you, and then, you, know, you wait for the market to come back to you and then you fill the other one. Then it, in those cases, you can get better prices as a butterfly. But if you're just you know, thinking that you're going to get better fill because you do two credit spreads, I would say, I would say no. Um, I like to do the butterfly because then, you know, if, I like to have new people, especially those who don't know short-term technical analysis to do or, as a single butterfly, primarily because that way you don't get caught chasing the other half of the spread and get killed on, on, on an entry or an exit. Um, is the concept of price discovery entering limit orders at better than mid prices um, really a true favorable phenomenon or is it just a drift in prices due to constantly changing prices and the underlying options? I really don't understand the question. So um, that would have to be clarified. But, you know, most people do, a lot of people do price, if they're doing 100 butterflies, they'll try to fill one butterfly to see what, price it fills at. And there's some merit to that, you know, you, you can do that. Um, but you have to do it with the understanding that sometimes the, um, the butterfly that fills is just a coincidence, right? There may have been somebody else selling three butterflies at a certain price. In other words, the first thing the market maker is going to do is he's going to try and match your order with somebody else's. You know, if you're buying a call and somebody's trying to sell a call and the prices come together, then boom, the order goes, right? And the same thing with a butterfly. If you have a butterfly or that they have orders in and it's a certain price, they'll take it. But if they didn't have that order and they might not take it based if they have to take the other side of it, right? Because it depends on if the market maker, is the market maker taking the other side of your transaction or is the other trader taking the other side of your transaction? Stuff that you often don't know. So, um, so, so, so that even though, even though you're doing the discovery that way, that may or may not be a valid way to do it. Uh, the other thing is, you know, once your hand's shown with a small amount of contracts, then you enter a hundred contracts. So the guy knows what you're doing. Again, if the market is flying all over the place and the market makers don't, and the market maker computers are overloaded, they're going to treat your order one way. If you're, uh, if the market's relatively slow, and the market maker computers are, have plenty to do, or the market makers have plenty to do. Basically, um, they're got, they'll they'll play with you and they'll negotiate you um, at a higher to a higher price to get this, certain orders filled. If you are if you fall into the normal um, the normal pattern of somebody who's doing these trades. Okay. Uh, all right. The rock strategy. Uh, most of the recent trades have been opened in M3 configuration. When was the last time you opened the rock trade in, a, in a rock configuration? I don't really remember. Um, technically, they've been opening in modified rock configuration, which is now the new M3 configuration. But um, I, I, I don't know. You know, you go well. First of all, we have different guidelines, right? But if you go back to the option view guidelines and you're using option view software on the old option view model. 
we did a lot of rock entries 2013 2016 maybe right uh time frames like that when implied volatility tends to be low implied volatility skew curve tends to be high uh when implied volatility skew curves flat like it is now i mean you're not going to get into rock configuration for um with implied volatility like this we're not even we're not even trans um transferring into rock configuration even if you are two days to expiration right now because the implied volatility skew curves are so unusual so um, um you know i don't know the answer to that question precisely but again in this time frame you're not going to be doing that the balanced butterfly strategies Bearish Butterfly M3 tends to do well in Russell, but not perform as well in the SPX, right? The X4V22 has not been performing well in the SPX over the last year. Um, and there is going to be an update to that strategy, by the way. And we're going to do something with that. It's going to be a little bit complex what we do to it. So I want to make sure that um, we can explain it well. But um, but yeah, the, the, the implied volatility in the SPX varies a lot more than what you see in the Russell. And um, that being the case, it, 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 makes the, it makes the thought of, hey, I'm gonna trade this set of rules and it's always gonna do well, um, less likely to happen. I mean, it's not, that's not a good way to look at the market anyway, but, um, but in the Russell, it's a lot more consistent and the SPX is less consistent. We have the butterfly call in some environments, the butterfly call structure performs much better than the Russell in the SPX. And in other environments, it performs more poorly in the SPX uh, than in the, in the in M3. And recently in the last year or so, it's, it's been more poorly. Um, you know, is, is that last year or has it been similar historically? Again, the, the SPX is random. Sometimes it's better, sometimes it's worse. I think there was a time period where it was better in like the 2013, 2014 and so forth. And, um, and then it switches back and forth. So um, I guess that's all I have to say about that. In the V32 strategy, usually the downside adjustment is, uh, is to roll back if the price is at the short strike. However, if you have made upside adjustments due to negative delta, then the market reverses. What's the optimal point at which you roll a butterfly down? Um, see, a lot of these questions are, that we're talking about here are more, and they're good questions. Okay, so I don't want to I don't want to um, say they're not good questions. And uh, the challenge is that they're not questions that are going to be beneficial to you necessarily, uh, or the way their word is tells me something about the way that the person's thinking. This trading business isn't a business where you're going to do super well and consistently make money. If you find a set of rules that you back tested and happen to do well in the past and you expect it to do well in the future and trade it non-subjectively, you might do okay. You might make money over time, right? Uh, we have these, but you're also gonna run through these cycles where you're gonna do well, you're gonna do very poorly. And that type of mindset does not, uh, is not uh, productive when it comes to actually learning how to trade and learning how to um, learning how to trade and learning how to become a great trader. That's not a very productive mindset at all. And um, you know, you'll, you'll learn that most of the questions that are asked, the real answer, you know, I can throw out an answer, but the real answer is it depends. And it's the same thing um, when we talk about the optimal point at which you roll a butterfly down. Um, the presupposition in that question is there, that there is an optimal point to roll a butterfly down. And the reality is that there is not. Um, we, have, we have trades, trading strategies that have guidelines or rules as to when to roll butterfly backs or whether or not to roll butterfly backs, flies back. And there are uh, advantages and disadvantages to each of those rules, right? Rolling back at the short strike has a certain advantage and it also has a certain disadvantage. You know, sitting there and never rolling the position has a certain advantage and a certain disadvantage. So there is no optimal point at which you roll the butterfly down. Now I can tell you what the guidelines say, but I cannot tell you, uh, but I can't, but, but I wouldn't not imply that whatever the guidelines say would be the optimal point at which to roll it down. Okay, but basically, with a V32, 
the rollback point varies based on how wide the upper wing is. Um, if we have our 40 point upper wing, the, we have a rollback point at the short strikes as per guidelines. If we have a 50 point, if we have a 30 point upper wing, um, that's 10, that's 10 points shorter than 40 points. And since we're 10 points shorter than 40 points, our rollback point changes to the short strike plus 10 points. Okay. Uh, this is clearly defined in the actual rule set, but that's, that's how that works, right? Then if you go to 20 points, our rollback point is our short strikes plus 20 points because we're 20 points shorter than 40 points. Okay. So if you, if you have a basic understanding of the strategy, you should kind of understand that. Uh, but that's how that works. So as the, the, the width of the upper wing shifts, the rollback point shifts, uh, as the width of the upper wing narrows, the rollback point shifts uh, up by that same amount. Okay. And that is all we have for questions here. So hopefully that is helpful to everybody. And then I have just another uh, oh, thank, you, uh, thank you, Jen. I appreciate that. Um, uh, one more question. What's the time frame you expect to modify the V22? Uh, probably be working on that in the summer. I've been down in Florida and I've been, uh, we have a house down here in Florida that um, we've been here for the winter and we've had uh, company <laughs> basically for the last three months. So I haven't been getting a lot of background stuff done, but I do have plans on uh, doing some stuff with the X4 strategies to help with um, the, the what I see is going to be the market here for the next uh, year uh, going into the future. So we'll, we'll make an update on that. I mean, the, the biggest one, the most prevalent one I want to do is a V22. Uh, I'm also going to make a V17 modification and possibly a V14 modification also. Uh, in those, even though they've been doing very well, for those of you who know, you know, the V17 and V22 has been doing, 14 has been doing fantastic post-COVID crash here, but uh, the 22 is not so well. Uh, although in the last year, it's the uh, last several months, it's been okay. But that is going to require an official change that uh, that I'm going to be doing there. And also, we talked about the bull trade because of the lack of strikes. I'm going to do an official change in that one also. But um, other than that, everything else seems to be doing well. And uh, um, as I said, you'll see it first here on Options Trade for Income. All right. Thanks for everybody for joining me. And we will see you on the next meeting. Thanks, everybody.